A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the final Overlap Live fan debate brought to you by Skybet. We've got so much to talk about, so without further ado, Let's bring in Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Good to see you. Good to see you. Guys, it's been an incredible season. A season, I think, that's had absolutely everything. Could, you, could we call it one of the great Premier League seasons? I think, I think in terms of quality, it's the best Premier League season I've ever seen. Um, and you could, you could argue it's the greatest Premier League season it's ever seen because of what was at stake on the last day, relegation. Obviously, top four, title, and even the Europa League was up for grabs. So I think that on that last day, it's a long time since we've had one like that, mm -hmm. where you're looking at it and everything's on the line, so much at stake, and the quality, I think, was the highest, highest level I've ever seen it. Um, and I go back to the times that I was playing, um, not just the two teams at the top, but below that as well. It was, it was, it was high-level games, Quality of the players, they put on a fantastic show. Fans back in the stadium, the atmospheres have been better than ever. Um, and I know there's been a real worry around atmospheres in stadiums with going to the all-seater over the last 10, 15 years. But actually, there seems to be something returning again to football grounds. We've got to get rid of the pitch invasion, should mention that. But it's, it's been a brilliant season. Didn't quite go as, as well as you hoped last day of the season. It all came down to that. But as seasons go, I mean, you, you guys are front and centre. You, you watch all the games, you talk about the games. Did you expect it to be this good? No, uh, I didn't. And I'm not just trying to build it up. I, I agree with everything Gary said in terms of it being the best. I mean, there's been so many seasons. I think we're in the 30th season, aren't we, of, of the Premier League. So to try and remember all the other seasons is very difficult. But I, I do think the thing of the supporters being backed, I just, the first game we did was at Brentford and there was just a buzz. And I, and I got a buzz going back to when I was a kid as if, you know, going to the game for the first time. The thing of the fans being back was brilliant. And... It just feels like this season there's been an atmosphere in stadiums, whether it'll continue, but even like sort of Newcastle with the flags towards the end of the season, even the Everton fans outside the stadium, Liverpool and City fans sort of welcoming the coaches in. It just feels like there's been a, a buzz, whether you know, you know, people here agree. It just feels like there's been a, an energy and a buzz within stadiums and maybe, as Gary said, maybe it went too far towards the end of the season with people running on the pitch, but it come from a good place that. Yeah. And there's always going to be a couple of idiots doing silly things, but you know the majority of those fans who come out, it come from sort of like joy, excitement, you know, love for the club. So I wouldn't be too critical of the people coming on the pitch because, as I said, it was, it was no uh, malice intended in that. And as I said, you always get a couple of idiots, but for me, I, I think it's the best one I can certainly remember. No doubt. You guys might know it's the, the stage looks a little bit different today. There's a big red empty sofa. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring up some of our fans that are here today. So who better start with than the top two? So please, Paul Machin and Stephen McHenry, can you jump up to the stage here? Big round of applause. Now, City don't do it the easy way, do they, Steve? I am. I absolutely hate them. Um, no, we never. I don't. I obviously love them, but like, slightly more. <laughs> oh yeah, like honestly, um, it's it's really weird. Um, that even with all the money and the world class players and whatever, it's like ten years on after that. Um, 
there's, there's something in our DNA every now and then that just happens. That typical city thing still is there. And it used to be a joke 20 years ago, but it still is there. And it's kind of worth it in the end. It is. I have my voices not recovered. Uh, two day hangover probably doesn't help either. But it was, yeah, it was, there's the scenes in the stadium. I, I was broken, broken with 20 minutes. I thought these guys had won it. Um, but football, as Gary was saying, the atmosphere, this, you know, the times of this season, that essentially summed it up, that feeling. Uh, and you could sense in the ground that something was about to happen. When we got the first back, the fans were thinking, is this happening again? And it went off like that. I'd never seen anything like it. It was, it was ridiculous, man. And, uh, I mean, I was, I was at the Emirates watch, watching, uh, watching Arsenal, and I think there were 10 minutes to go. I think everyone around us was kind of concentrating on, on, on the title race, and it was like, 10 minutes to go. It's enough time for City. So you have that, that end of the season madness about them that, that no matter, they're never down and out, right? But, Paul, did you believe? Surely there was a time when you, you thought, it, it, everything's going right for us. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And even when Liverpool go a goal down, there was something about that that felt like the right way for the story to go. So you're not sat there constantly refreshing, looking at the City score. It became what Liverpool needed to get the results, yeah. which I think really focused the crowd, which was weirdly perfect yeah. and then of course it starts to filter through and as it filters through it explodes through the news that you know it's one goal and then it, and then it's two goals and that's absolutely pandemonium and if it had been one and stayed like that then you'd have been never but yeah. it goes to two and you think this it's and it's can you find out it's Coutinho as well and yeah. you can't help but think <laughs> oh, football, it, eh? it was written yeah it was written but no apparently not for us do you think City are deserved winners you know we're in an era we'll get onto the kind of pep and, and, and clock here but Whoever wins the deserve. league deserves to win the league. Surely it's as simple as that. I mean, like, it, it's, it's that as simple, simple as that. Though, like, yeah. there's a, you play 38 games, you know, and, and everyone gets a little bit of luck here and there, whatever. But you know, I, look, I know people will talk about City and, and all the money and all that kind of stuff, but they are incredibly hardworking players, incredibly talented players, and they won the league because they, as players, they deserved it. They were the, and I know it was dead close for Liverpool, but like... Someone's got to win, you know, someone's got to win it. Yeah, look, if Drago beats Rocky in Rocky Four, he deserves to win, but does he really deserve to win? <laughs> it's a good job, good job, good job that's fiction, this is real life, isn't it? That'll do, that'll do. Gary, how are you feeling? Sitting 2-0 down, you must have been ecstatic at times. <sighs> ecstatic? No. No, I, 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 I'll be really honest with you, I, I, City had to win on Sunday for us. Yeah. <laughs> The idea of Liverpool. Like no, I, mean, I, I, I want to be really clear about that. That you know, Liverpool can't win the quadruple. Liverpool can't win the treble. It's impossible. Um, we may as well all give in. So it's a really bad position to be in at the moment to think that way. But at two 0 down, I thought I said I take you at half time. I said honestly, they're done here. They're finished. Yeah. We all so thought the same, man. We all when thought they the went same. two 0 up, I was like, nothing. Honestly, they're finished. Absolutely done. There's nothing in him. Pep slumped on the bench. He's like that, like he's run out of ideas. He's like he's to start what's gone on. The crowd, to be fair, they were crying. The people, they were all done. And then that, but the problem is, as soon as that first goal went in, it was like an explosion, and you knew it was going to be three. You, you knew it was going to be three. And I don't know what happened. I was there in the stadium ten years ago when Aguero scored, thinking that United won the league, and thinking what the hell was that, and. Yes, on Sunday it was pretty similar. I've, I'd have to say, as a spectator, it's the two times I've been in a stadium in my life where I've seen probably the most incredible things. Yeah. That stadium, unfortunately, because <laughs> the times I United, I was I was in the stadium, yeah. I was playing. You know, like you know, New Camp, Barcelona, yeah. all those things. I was there, I was playing. I've never seen it. I've never seen it happen like that. It was human, though, at the end of the day. I know everyone talks once again about the other side of it, but it was, it's what kind of why we love football. It was, it was dramatic. Uh, it showed cities kind of like, you know, 
for all the control that we try and have, there are weaknesses every now and then because they're people and they can get caught up in the occasion. And we didn't handle it well and we weren't playing well either. That's the thing. Like with the QPR game, we actually we were, do, we were playing quite well. It just happened that they scored a couple of goals and so on. But we were peppering them with chances. But this one, we couldn't create anything. We couldn't create anything. Wow. And every now and then, you know, someone kind of just turns it for us. And weirdly, it was like Zinchenko. Zinchenko mm. came on and he was fantastic. At, you know, the, the drive and determination. And then a bit of magic from the subs, you know, uh, assist for. Sterling uh, and Zinchenko, of course, Gundogan getting the two goals, and it's just it was stupid. It was stupid, mate. <laughs> I'm you, you, sorry, you, mate. You were at Anfield. <laughs> what was the atmosphere like down there? You, you're a big fan. You know, I mean, you, people give you stick about maybe the, the Everton connection, but the Liverpool's in your heart, obviously. How are you feeling when you're one 0 down, but then you hear City are two down, and the news starts filtering through? You get the goal I back. I mean, the same as what Paul said. I wasn't too worried about Liverpool going one 0 down. Uh, it was so early in the game. You still had the, you know 90 minutes to come back. My fear, I actually got more nervous and more fearful when City went 2-0 down because I thought if Liverpool don't win this game, because yeah. I didn't see City winning the game 3-2, certainly when the game went to 2-0 on 70 minutes, I thought they might get a draw, but it'd be tough to win this. And I just kept thinking Liverpool aren't actually winning here. And Liverpool, the only thing that can sort of get you over the disappointment because it was so close of what was going on at City is that Liverpool were never top and they didn't really throw it away at any stage. Yeah. I think if City would have drew the game and Liverpool didn't win, I think that would have been us, like, we've lost the league type of thing or we haven't done our job. Uh, it would have been nice for Liverpool to actually go on top at some stage. I think that may have caused maybe a little bit more panic at Manchester City, but we've been in situations like that when someone does something amazing, as a team, we watch United do, you watch City, and you just have to take your hats off and just say, listen, that is brilliant. If that was us, we'd think it was amazing, scoring three yeah. goals in five or six minutes. Uh, but it was it was the hope that kills you, isn't it? It's it always, always is. the hope that kills you. But what more can Liverpool do? Well, nothing, really, because that's where we're at. We were, we were here in 1819 as well, saying, I'll jump point on, and I'll jump on a 97-point season, and the answer is, you can't. You know, you can't. Yeah, I mean, of course you can, because there are more points still to be won in 92. We've had more points than that twice previously, so it's possible. So the, it's a simple answer is, get more points. <laughs> but, you know, when it says, well, how do you go about achieving that? Teams... Not, not meant to get above 90 points. It's yeah. meant to be a ridiculous achievement to get above 90 points. You're meant to win the league when you get above 90 points. That's, that's, that's how I was raised in watching football. You know, and, and you know, Gary will know, I'm not, Man United didn't win many titles above, above 90 points. It's obscene what these two teams have done now yeah. over four seasons. I take that Liverpool season out last year, which, to be fair, was a blip. It, it, you're not going to see this again quickly. It's a high level, that, honestly. I... I, I it's exhausting is what it is. It is. Honestly, do you know something? I think, you know, Pep said it, didn't he, after the game about four, four, four leagues in five seasons. That Him crying at the end, that was him knowing how, what he'd gone through over that five-year period to get to where he got. He's been pushed to the absolute brink in all those sort of seasons yeah. near, near enough. And to be honest with you, it's hard work. It's hard work to the point whereby it's hard for the manager to continue to keep demanding that level from the players, both yeah. Liverpool and City. Hard for the players to keep coming back and doing it every single minute of every single day. I take my hats off to them because we did, to be fair, win four in five. I don't think we were pushed always by a team that was as good as they've been pushed by. Yeah, this doesn't happen without Liverpool for us. Our points are and vice versa, we, probably. We, like, they we were pushed by great Arsenal well. teams, yeah, yeah. but this is a different level and you look at the points, it's a different level. It's a, it's a cup competition spread out over a league, is what it's become. <laughs> no, but, but generally, right, you, can't, you can't lose a game of football yeah. anymore. They've lost two games this season. 
and, and they don't and they don't come home with the title. And, and it's one, not like and one the other season they come second as well. Exactly. You know, and the, it, the work ethic of them both is ridiculous. Yeah. It's honestly it's ridiculous compared to every other. There's some hardworking teams in the league. Don't get me wrong, but the work ethic of those two teams, not only the most talented, they're the hardest working teams in the league. When they give, when they lose the ball, they react better than any other team in the league. Unbelievable, yeah. they are. You had a great league season, and that's, I'm not just saying that to be gracious because because you want it, but it's genuinely true. Like 90, was it 90 points in the end? Yeah, there's, there's points, and you can go back, and I can go back and pick games where Liverpool could have not drawn. They could have they could have won. You know, Brentford, Brighton at home, the City at the Etihad. You know, City at Anfield, Chelsea at Anfield, and Chelsea. There's these games, but again, you you can always ask for more. But you always, oh, I say this a lot of times as a football fan, you can never. You can't say we must win the title. We must win silverware. All you can ever ask for is to compete. And if sometimes like, you forget, sometimes there's eleven other lads who are trying to do exactly the same thing. So it is. It's galling. And but I don't think there's a massive inquest that needs to be done when Liverpool were effectively a goal away from being in line for a quadruple. It's like complaining about there being a little bit of a scratch on the paintwork if Ferrari. Really. The, the, worry, the worry for the rest is that I thought these two managers would be gone two yeah. or three seasons ago I thought they're going to they're gonna do four years five years and then they'll go they're, that next challenge will come Barcelona Real Madrid wherever, wherever wherever the next challenge is the problem is now they've both embedded themselves into these two clubs because they've recognised that the league's the best it's ever been the rest of the leagues in Europe aren't in a stronger position the clubs that they're at are giving them everything that they want and more and they're now going to be here for another three years maybe four years and that's the scary thing and not only that Look at the recruitment. Is it not scary to think that Man City have just gone out and got Haaland? Yeah, no, Liverpool, Carrot, Liverpool have done a bit of business this morning, haven't they? Well, we, Liverpool, Liverpool have been in constant motion, and this is the thing: we come into transfer windows, and people will probably look at the transfer window upcoming and go, "Well, why aren't Liverpool making X, Y, and Z?" Well, Liverpool secured Diaz in January already. They were already planning ahead for the season. If, the if season you look at the way City did Haaland compared to how Manchester United did Sancho, I mean that dragged on. I don't know. It was about 14 years that Sancho was coming to United. <laughs> Seriously, the way in which they do their business, it just tells you the sort of operators they got off the pitch as well compared you know, to on the pitch. Cara, does, does Liverpool already in, in a position where you, you get 90 points, you're not winning the league. City are, are strengthening now. Is, that, is there going to be a gap between Liverpool and Man City? Or what would Liverpool need to do to, to kind of stay and maintain that level when... You know, City can go out and buy a hundred million pound player. Well, exactly, that, that, that's the problem you got trying to chase Manchester City. They got a player who cost a hundred million pound last season. He didn't even come on. They needed three goals. He's an attacking player. They didn't even bring him on. He had a good night though. Oh yeah, very nice. I saw it first time. He had a very good night. Good luck to him. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're in a position where they can do that. Liverpool couldn't buy someone for a hundred million, and he wouldn't be integral to their team. That's the problem. You, you bring Haaland in. Liverpool would never be in a, in a race to sign Haaland. They, just, they wouldn't be able to get involved in that, and that's the problem you have, and that's why I think there is so much respect, I think, out there for Jürgen Klopp in terms of the job he does at Liverpool. But that is, that is a big problem for the Premier League. You've got the richest team with a manager who most people could say he's the best, or certainly the most successful of his era, and, and how do you stop it? I mean, people are saying it'll be unstoppable because Haaland's in, but there's only so many points you can win in a season. Yeah. You know, City aren't going to get 105 or 110 yeah. points. That Pep's teams always get, and probably this season is a little bit lower than what they, they normally get an over 95, uh, if you go through his history. I think Haaland's brought in not to take City to another level. Van Dijk and Alisson coming into Liverpool took Liverpool to another level. City are already at that level, so Haaland's not going to do that. Haaland is being brought in to make the difference 
in that Real Madrid game. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they're buying him. To make that difference in a big Champions League game, maybe league games you can look at, games they didn't win, maybe against Liverpool this season, if that chance at the end falls to him rather than Mahrez, they win the game. And maybe they're not in a fight with Liverpool to win the title. Maybe they win the title by seven or eight points, I don't know, ten points. But he's not going to make a massive difference to Manchester City because they're already that good anyway. But he is needed, or they'll feel he's needed, to try and take them to the Champions League. I think there was a collective sigh of relief on the last day from, from a lot of fans that Liverpool didn't win the quadruple. <laughs> Why? Area. Why? I, I'm, I'm not going into that. Okay, I'm not getting into that. But I think, I think it's just one of those things where it, you, if Liverpool won the quadruple, it's, it's like, you, first of all, you never hear the end of it. Was that always the one that kind of was so far-fetched? It was almost like a dream yeah, world. It, it's ridiculous. No one wins the quadruple. It's not, it's not meant to be possible. And, you know, but, no, but it's not But it's not meant to be possible, is it? That's, what are you that's, laughing that's, at? It was two days ago, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. That, and that's the point, is that, yeah, it, it, it would have been, a, for me, it would have been a wonderful thing. And I think that the, the only disappointment in it is that I hope Jurgen Klopp's team gets to do something unique, yeah. truly unique, so they can be remembered. Because we think about the United treble, we think about the Invincibles. I, I'm sure someone in this room will bring it up at some point today. Leave my mate alone. You've got um, you've got City doing the Centurions. You know what I mean? Having, having yeah. a name, having something that says that yeah. was that team. So that when you compare it, it's always going to be if Liverpool were to win the European Cup this season, it's always going to be like the game finished. And my, my uncle's a Man United fan, and he immediately sent me a picture of Fergie with the treble and went, It's not for everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, so there's always going to be, there's always going to, it would have been nice to unequivocally have something you can say, There you go. Unarguable, this team is the greatest team in it's the Premier League. It's a disaster if you're a United fan <laughs> and they win the quadruple because you've, no so you've no argument left after you. You're finished, aren't you? You're done. I just I think that the quadruple is when the European Cup what they've done Liverpool to get what they've done Liverpool to get to where they are within 15 minutes of the title, which is ultimately what they were, is absolutely incredible. And I was fearful. Now I think I don't think they'll win the European Cup on Saturday. To be fair, I mean I want to ask you about this. This has been going on all season. Let me tell you this: <laughs> Liverpool played Chelsea in the second game of the season. He's texting me right after the game. Liverpool aren't right. They're not right. They're not the same. They're not the same. He tries to convince himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get his text out from half time. <laughs> it's the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bring him up. Bring up the receipt. Yeah. Yeah. Our social media manager yeah, yeah, has got yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a back catalogue of oh. Gary Neville quotes yeah. and memes from the last really, couple of really. years. There's a bit of science. There's a bit of science behind yeah, my yeah. thought on He's uh, trying to kid on himself. No, I, do you know I think on Saturday? I think what's won Real Madrid, though, is No, games. yeah, oh, no, we're going through the text. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come on to the football in a bit. Shite City, you do your job, you'll win this. <laughs> it's a disaster of monstrous proportions. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I was literally... I, I, hey, oh, the, the, the final one. I'm off of you, win this. <laughs> <laughs> At half-time, I just thought, Joe, something, they're going to do it. Yeah. They're going to do it, and I thought, this is just a disaster of monstrous... I just thought, I, I, I couldn't get my head around it. And at 2-0, I thought, oh, my God. Yeah, there's a and lot of Evertonians Googling whether you can live in your caravan in Wales or in France. <laughs> I was... And just you're having to speak on the game, and the game itself was just... It was unbelievable. But no, I, I, I just... I've, I've thought a lot about uh, Paris. Yeah, I've thought a lot about Paris. <laughs> I thought about Real Madrid and why they've won these games, and I think they've won it, these games, and they keep coming back. I thought back to 99 about we, how we kept coming back in games and winning late on. And it was our midfield. 
You can use this on CBS when you do your little yeah, piece of it. Yeah. <laughs> it. It was our midfield of Keen, Butt, Scholes, yeah. Giggs and Beckham. They were absolutely phenomenal, beyond the level I've ever seen. And I look at Real Madrid's midfield with Casemiro, Kroos, Modric, and then the two, you know, Valverde, Camavinga. And I think, do you know something? Them five, they drive them right they drive them right from the first minute right to the end and in the last 15 minutes I think Liverpool's midfield is the weak point in their team I think that midfield for Real Madrid the five of them combined because they, they tend yeah. to always come on and play, play a part and he changes them late and he makes big interfere he interferes a lot with those that midfield I think that will see them win the game on Saturday Harry, do you agree with this? No, I don't, and that's not because I, I, I totally agree with that. If, if they said that four years ago when Liverpool were playing Real Madrid, uh, Real Madrid in that final, I think it was four years ago. I've watched Real Madrid doing the Champions League this season. Real Madrid have lost more games in the Champions League this season than Liverpool have lost all season in every competition. This Real Madrid are a, are a very good team, but they're not as good as Man City. I don't think they're as good as Chelsea, even though they've beat them. And the teams to beat Paris Saint-Germain. Now, you can spin it both ways, like the spirit, the Real Madrid, the coming back. They've, they've carried a lot of luck in those games, as you need. They've probably had one of the toughest runs to a Champions no, League final No, but I mean, if ever. you win every game in the last minute coming from behind, if you're that good a team, you don't get yourself in that position all the time. Mm. You don't. Not every time. It's a very, it feels like a very Liverpool story that they've yeah. had. I recognise that. Of like, there's, a bit of, there's a bit of sawdust and magic to it, you know what I mean? Like They're, they're finding ways, they're drawing upon the old to get to. Get to. It's a great yeah. story. It's a better story. I mean, there's the Liverpool redemption story. Man but City should Real have batted You should have batted oh, first, That should that have been 6-2 at all. Maybe yeah, 5 or 6 two. And then the 3 0 down at home to Chelsea. I just, of course, they can win. It's a one off game. But I just think if, I think all the three teams in, the, in our league, who I class as top teams, or certainly City or Liverpool, were playing Real Madrid in a one off game and played, if, if they had their team and they played anywhere near the best, they'd win the game. So you're confident then, yeah? Yeah, I'm confident. I was confident. Was when the draw happens and now we're actually going to have to live it <laughs> it's, it's a different type of yeah. confidence there. it's magic with Madrid in this competition isn't it it's, I know it sounds really cliche but they just have it in that competition don't they it's fair you guys do as well to an extent yeah I don't think it's though so I, I think they win it that seventh European Cup exactly yeah. well they, I think they win it when they're, the, when they're the best though that's the thing I don't think they I don't think they often they win it as often when they're perceived as the underdogs in final oh, no, I, I think they, the year after we won it I think they yeah, were... Yeah, when McManaman scored, Mac they were not the best. We, play, we played a midfield, they had McManaman midfield with, I can't remember who it was, we couldn't believe Redondo. it. Redondo, McManaman. They weren't at the best at that point. That Raul was playing for my thinking. Like, ridiculous. Yeah, outrage. Do you think it's going to be you two at the top, fighting out again? Because it's, 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 it's like a Pep and Klopp era now, I feel like we're in. Yeah, yeah. I don't see how anyone catches it. Genuinely, I think you look at what's look at what's there. I think stability counts, and I'm not sure there's the stability at any of the other football clubs. There's more in some than others. You know, Conte, if he stays, being established for half a season will will help Tottenham absolutely. I think Man United getting a new manager in. We've been here plenty of times. You know, getting a new manager in is great. That might be the thing that kicks them on. But there's so many issues top to bottom in in, in the football club. Do you think Eric ten months can stop them? <laughs> <laughs> Eric, <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll, they'll shut the door on West Ham for the Europa League places. Absolutely, uh, you know, next season. But... Do you know, I think. I think the thing is with uh, that. that my, my, my biggest fear, actually, for Eric Ten Hag is not the job that he'll do. Is that he could do a great. He could do a great job, and still not succeed mm-hmm. by the fact that you know it, because of them two. But if them two stay there. It's a real problem that. Yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll get onto that. We'll, we'll dive really deeply into that. But guys. Stephen Paul, thank you so much for coming up. Pleasure. Pleasure. Next, we've got to turn our attention to the relegation battle. So please join me, Joe, Ryan, and Barry. 
Baz, you're in here. You're in there. Yeah, I'm in the hot seat. <laughs> in the hot seat. <laughs> I've got to start with Burnley first, possibly yeah. worst day ever. Yeah, obviously everyone's here talking about how great it was, how much fun everyone had. Yeah, not for me. That's, that's not the way you want to go. I've, I've been supporting Burnley for 34 years now, so I've seen the club relegated before, but never on the final day like that. I was saying to Ryan when we got here, like, it's a good job that we were actually losing because they scored quite late to win it. I wouldn't have been able to take that. It was were, it were quite difficult, to be honest. That actually, the, the day itself was quite difficult. I've not digested anything. I've not looked at the, the league game, at the league winning game with City and Liverpool. I've not. I've not. I've just stayed away, to be honest with you. So Same. this this is a, yeah, <laughs> this is the first time I've had to sort of like open up about it really. But yeah, it's, it weren't a great day. Burnley's record at the end of the season was ended up being quite poor. You know, you obviously you wouldn't that new manager about Sean Dyche leaving. Yeah. What went wrong for you at the end of the season? Well, we just didn't score enough goals throughout the season. That was the problem. The midfield is too lightweight. Everyone knows how good we are defensively, thanks to Tarke, you know, Ben, Popey as well, class goalkeeper, obviously just got called up again for England today. But we just don't score enough goals, whether that's Chris Wood or Valt Vegas. You know, Chris, obviously, the first half of the season. Vegas he's not really come in and done much. I think he's only scored twice. Woody only scored twice. But again, there's not enough creative players in the middle. Obviously, we've got Dwight McNeil. Whoever knows he's got bags of talent, but he's, he's just not done it this season. I think he's got one goal and assist all season. So the problem's been up front and the creative. Obviously, we're still good defensively, but yeah, we've just not scored enough goals or created enough chances. Just on, on, on Sean Dyche getting, um, getting sacked, when, when that came through, people sort of disconnected from Burnley. I count myself in that. Was yeah. was shocked. We're thinking, yeah. how has that happened? But then when I spoke to a couple of Burnley fans, they were sort of like, they weren't that shocked. They almost thought like it needed to happen, that the time had come. Yeah. But is, that, is that right? And does that feel like the wrong decision now or not? It's difficult because at the time I was shocked simply because he'd been here for so long. But it wasn't working this season. Ultimately, it's a results business. And yeah, some people might say he should have shown him more respect because been, he'd been here for longer and he's done a lot for the club. You know, he'll, he'll always be a Burnley legend in my eyes. But we weren't good enough this season. We ultimately weren't good enough last season. The last two seasons have been poor. You know, we finished 17th last season, obviously 18th this season and gone down. When you say, I know, you be, I know you're disappointed, I get all that. When you say that it's not good enough, where do you expect Burnley to be really, though, in terms of what you know, the, the team that you've got, yeah. the money that you spend? Well... I would, obviously, we finished in Europe not long ago, and I, they expected us to have progressed since then. We've been in the Premier League for six we, years. You're never going to go higher than Europe, Burnley. Well, no, but I mean, progressed to potential like, mid-table every single season, rather than constantly battling against a drop. Because teams have come up and done that themselves. I know you've got your Villas and your Leeds and, and stuff like that, and Everton's a much bigger club than us, and I respect that, but... Don't know, we've had you the don't span spend that of a decent... Money, do you? No, we don't. We haven't spent enough. Ultimately, that's been the problem as well. We've, we've not invested enough over the last... Since Europe. We brought in Ben Gibson and stuff that didn't go well. Joe Hart, it, it didn't go too well in the end. And we've just been spending money on players that are like 34, 35, you know, Dale Stevens, Phil Barsley, you know, players like that who, who are just too old and we just haven't invested enough in the team. That is ultimately been the problem. Moving on to Leeds now. Newcastle going 1 0 up early. How big was that in, your, in, in aiding your survival in terms of the fans, in terms of the atmosphere? Did, feel, did you feel it filtering down to the players? Well, First of all, last time I were on this show, I said supporting Leeds comes with a health warning, or should come with a health warning, <laughs> should I say, and um, yeah, that hasn't changed. And um, no, coming into this weekend, we're massive. I mean, I've known Joe for a few years and we, we exchanged a few messages before the game and I, 
I'll be honest with you, Leeds were going into the weekend in the worst position. We were in the bottom three. Burnley had to just match our result. We had to better Burnley's result to stay up. And um, against against a Brentford side that don't that don't really like you, do they? A Brentford side who really, really wanted to put Leeds down. I yeah. mean, you come to Rafinha's penalty. When he scores that penalty, Thomas Frank makes three fairly quick substitutions, which eventually bit him on the backside. Very three very attacking substitutions. Now, you boys have played. The, the professional game normally last game of the season when you're not playing for anything you probably don't want to get injured of course you're competitive you want to win, win football games but they really really wanted to send Leeds down now what, what's the feeling with the manager because was there a few games before the end of the season where they were, they were chanting Bielsa's name in the stadium mm. or something but what, what, what is the feeling on the manager because we, we were looking at the stats on Monday Night Football and, and everything had improved when you, you know goals defensively so it's all the numbers mm. had improved a lot yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I was speaking to, by the way, it's great to see so many Leeds shirts in the audience today. <laughs> Wrong side at Pennines, good, good on you. Um, but yeah, Bielsa did a fantastic job for Leeds over the last four years or so. And um, it, a bit like Sean Dyche at Burnley, obviously Sean had been at Burnley a, a longer period of time, but what Marcelo Bielsa did, he, you know, we, we've got, we've spoken guys before, he, he got Leeds out of the, the dark days of the, the football league back into the, the Premier League. But with Jesse, you, you can't really... For me, I never judged him because he's coming at a point where Leeds were struggling, coming at a point where he can't buy any players, so he's got to work with what he's got. We've had horrendous injuries throughout the season. You know, that's kind of one of the reasons, I think, why we've done so poor this, this year. But, you know, maybe we should have got more players in the transfer windows, but that's, that's another argument. But Is there money there? For, is there money there to spend this summer? Well, this is the question. I mean, allegedly we're going to be buying Brendan Aronson, who's a 21-year-old American attacking midfielder, which is a very good player by all accounts. And that's 25, 30 million, which in the Premier League, let's, let's face it, it's not, it's not massive, is it? But there's kind of rumours out that Bielsa kind of fell out with the board. And one of the things were transfers, because the board is saying, oh, Bielsa didn't want these players. But the rumours are Bielsa did want certain players, but the board, the players Bielsa wanted, the board couldn't, fork the money out for I didn't want to spend the money on so who knows who knows what happens but there's investment in the club the, the 49ers enterprise over in America you'll deal there to the 49ers American football team and whatnot there, there is investment in the club but it's whether they're prepared to put the money on the table and I guess only time will tell with that and we, we need to strengthen the team we've got to talk about Everton now yeah yeah that was that was close <laughs> I mean it doesn't get much closer than that I mean you must have just stopped sweating right just started sleeping again. I've not, I've not. If you go back over these programs, my ears definitely got greyer <laughs> this year. But no, it's been horrible. What a horrible, horrible thing to be a part of, and it should never have happened, in my opinion. What, shocking. What's, what's gone wrong? Because if you if you look at that squad, I mean, some people say different, but it's it's, it's not a championship squad. If you look at it in comparison, wage bills, what you were saying, eight eight highest in the in, in the Premier League. What's what's happened to Everton? <laughs> Good question. I mean, you know. Talking about injuries, they're Everton with the most injuries in the Premier League this season. That's an issue. How do you solve that? Some awful refereeing in the last 10 games. Shocking. Can't blame refereeing. Shocking. And, you know, Richarlison getting called out by people for no reason is, is an what issue. What happened there? What but, uh, happened there? No, but Enlighten to, us. To be fair, no, it to was be a fair. Cup. You got it wrong, didn't you? 
He got it. He said he got it wrong. There you go. Everyone on my timeline. First time he's gone down has been something properly wrong with him. Stop it. Honest <laughs> to God. You should ask a blue nose. You should be all right. You should be protecting him. But um, I think the other thing is that we made the wrong choice in the summer. I was on it in the summer and both, both the lads were, what are you doing? I felt yeah. like I was trying to defend this, a, a position yeah, that I didn't want to You were quite animated that he was the right guy. No, no, what I said was you back him, because when you get your manager, you've got to back him. If you're not, if you're not backing your manager in August for a ball's kick, yeah. then you, has, what's has, the point? Has, didn't, hasn't he got similar points total in, in his time than Frank's got? Frank got more and less games. More and less games. How many more? We didn't. It doesn't matter. You come in. <laughs> no, 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 hang on. Let's, let's have this, right, because there is a weird narrative going around that, like, Steven Gerrard's done unbelievable at, at Villa and Frank Lampard's done terrible at Everton. I think Lampard's got a higher win ratio. So, okay. let's have it right. Lampard come in, Everton had won one game in 14. Everton yeah. won one match from September the 25th to January the 5th. One game of football. In all my life watching Everton, we've had some god-awful sides. The, that has never been the case. Never, ever, ever. The manager was wrong. The decisions made by the board were shocking and that needs to change. We need to get people in who know what to do. And I'm sat here listening to Gary praising Liverpool for the way they do things and Man City, the way they get Haaland in. And we have to start, I'm saying, at that level, but Evan have to start doing that. Jamie said a few times, it's run terribly. It is, it's been run terribly and that's a big thing that has to change. There has been some changes off the pitch. Kevin Thelwell's in, director of football, coaching has changed now we've got the you know changes on the under 23 side David Andre it's gone and so they're trying to do some things but they still need a world class person on the board in my opinion who's used to running either a football club or a top top company how, how do Everton change from this season so you'll say oh buy players but you could only buy but what did you spend last summer what was it four or five million One on and Townsend and, and Damari Gray because of because financial of fair play yeah, yeah. how is that going to change because of the situation with Usmanov is yeah. now not part of the club yeah, yeah. so uh, the, when you say that, that group of players shouldn't be in that position mm. but that group of players as you've just said won one game in 14 no matter what's going on who yeah, the managers yeah, who yeah, the yeah. board is that is just yeah. but if you, that is not right so what I'm saying yeah. is that group of players aren't a great group mm. and if Frank hasn't got that much I don't know to spend mm. in the summer how is it going to be different Oh, well, I mean, if you're looking at... If, and if this, we were, me and Paul were having a chat before about best 11s and how the best 11s never actually make it onto the pitch in a lot of clubs. But if you looked at that squad, the period is ex-pros, you might look at it and go, it's not a great squad, but it's not a... For me, it's not a squad that should have been fighting relegation. I don't think... So why was it then, that's my point? I think, I honestly do think, Inge, I think we lost the spine. I saw, you know, me and Paul out in the studio, I'm sure you there quite often last year, I was asking him why Liverpool had lost six own games on the run. And he went, well, no Van Dijk. Just one player to take comes out of. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. One player. <laughs> no, no, but I'm you, saying you how important was How important was If you take the spine, I think Liverpool lost. Who's the spine of Everton? Well, it was me meaner for us. Well, he's he, never been fit no, no. ever since he came. His, his average is 24 games a season. He's done 11 this season, so it's a big problem. Dominic Calvert-Lewin never been injured before, out for five months. Ben Godfrey twice out for 10 weeks. The Corey two separate ones for eight weeks at a time. The Charlesons are three separate times. I'm not. I'm, don't get me wrong. I don't, all I would say is, if they were in, I don't think it would, Everton would have been where they, where they were. I don't think they would have been. You know, I'm not saying they'd have been in Europe, but what I'm saying is, I think it'd have kept us away from where we were. But to change it will be very much, I think, like the Leeds situation. Would because you sell, would you we'd have to sell. Would, have you, to would sell. you sell one of those attacking players to give Frank funds if there wasn't any? We'll have to, Jamie. It's as simple as that. Which the one would you sell, Calvert Lewin or the Charleston? Who would I rather sell? Yeah. Calvert-Lewin just because I think you have to play a certain way for Dom I think, he, I think you get him right 
think he's brilliant. But I think Richarlison gives you more with work rate and everything. And with the money, I think you reinvest. Because when you look, there's a lot of noise. Is Everton's problem, though, if you get rid of Don Cavalier and you're back to where you were when you did when Lukaku moves on, but, is that it gets underestimated the value of a 20 goal potential he, 20 goal but season? This, what I would say is this season we haven't had them. He's got five goals. You've not seen them all season, so the jump from a fella that gets 25 goals to not be in there next season is huge. Whereas with Don, we've played most of the season without him. Look so, where you end up. The wit. Look where you've ended up. No, no, no that, that's that's exactly right. But what we're saying is, I could sit here and go, if, if FFP wasn't the way it was, Everton spent money this summer, no problem. There's money there. There's low, huge amounts of money there, and FFP was brought Even in. Even with those men have gone. Yeah, we've got a billion there. So what I'm saying is, no, but what I'm saying he was is, when he came in. Yeah, yeah, he might be now. Yeah, <laughs> FFP wasn't really put in for that. It was put in to stop City, like Burnley, where the the mortgage things away. It was put in to stop. Portsmouth, remember Portsmouth, the fella who was living in a bedsit telling yeah. you he had 100 million to spend. That's why it was. But Everton are in that situation. And this is why this story that's bouncing around at the moment about Leeds and Burnley complaining. Premier League what, what, signed off on this six yeah, what, months what ago, so it's a non-story. What do you make of that? You both, your clubs complaining just on the eve of the... I, I thought it was poor form, that. Yeah, it would, the timing of it weren't great, obviously because we're both in that position that we're in, but... I mean, it is. if they have a case to answer, I'm not sure, then, then answer it. But at the timing were poor. It was clearly just because of the position that we're in. If they'd have run it six months ago, mm. that would have been a little bit different. But like I said, if they have a case to answer it, then answer it. It's with the Premier League, though, because the Premier League have signed off on yeah. something to do with Everton now. The Premier League have said everything's fine. Everton haven't been able to buy a toilet roll, I don't think, in the last 12 months without the Premier League ratifying you everything. You brought five they've players done, in January, didn't you? You brought five on, players Because in. we sold Luka Dean. They're all just have Yeah, that paid for Milenko. What are the others who Michel- no, Michelenko, let's have it right, was 17 million. The down payment was 12. Nathan Patterson was 12 million. Down payment was nine. We sold Lucadine for 27. Deli Ali was nothing. El Ghazi, I mean. Deli Ali's 20 million. He's nothing when, when, until he's played 20 games. Exactly. He, will he be here next season? Who's going to buy him? Yeah. Interesting that no one. Honest to God, I can't tell you that Everton are going to keep him. Where, where, he's where do you player, see? Isn't he? Yeah, where do you, where do you see Everton? I'm glad that he's not even staying. So. <laughs> I had them down as my. Uh, One to watch. Dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> Overachievers, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought Benitez would do. Would, I just thought he's such a sort of stable and steady performer. I just thought he'd get them into sort of that eighth, where Wolves mm. are, West Ham mm. are. I just thought he'd do that to them. You know, he's solid. It's not the greatest to watch at times, but he usually gets a group of players organised, hard to beat, together. I, I couldn't believe how badly it went. I have to say, United and uh, Everton are the mystery of the season yeah. for me. Yeah. Absolute mystery of the season. I, I, I don't know how the hell United can end up with where they are. Is, uh, it, is it not a mystery though when we're talking about? Are they, I said on this show, Everton are one of the worst run clubs in the country, and you say that. You know more about United. No, but in terms of, but Benitez's been at Newcastle. No, but in terms fair, of the, behind that, the structure, the organisation. I, I, I get that. But I thought Benitez, to be fair, he has the access to agents to get players in. I thought he could do it on his own, to be honest with you. And I thought that being at Newcastle in a toxic atmosphere, he was perfect to be able to yeah, deal with a difficult. Been in the five. Yeah, I thought it was perfect to deal with a difficult club like Everton and get them to a point whereby he always sort of like gets what he wants, Rafa, and I just thought, mm. I, I'm amazed it went, I, I knew it would go badly at some point, I mean, I said that to you, I said, this is going to go badly wrong, this, but never thought so quickly. Tried to do too much, alienated people, Luca Dean, got the fans against it, you've got... That what, was a, what that was a shock of that, that what, was, selling, selling him and then sacking Luca Dean, three days later. that was unbelievable, that, yeah. that just told you how bad it was, because they sacked him and then basically, 
sorry, sold Luca Dean, and then basically three days later they sat the manager, mm. and they've got rid of one of your best players. Yeah, no, it's it was a shock of that. But that's how we've been running that. That's why it has to change. But you're asking about what Frank can do. He's, he's got to get more out of the players he's got. But it will be sales because that's the way it is. It's it's as simple as that. We get twenty, we're getting thirty million euros for Moise Keane in the next couple of weeks. That'll help. And then obviously we're going to have to sell. Can, one I, can I ask you a question? As has it helped Frank? What's happened in this last couple of months? I, I said that to you, didn't I? Mm. About a month. I said almost the bond that he will have built through all these sort of like the flares going off, the fans mm. getting so you yeah. know so desperate. Mm. Will he actually have a stronger bond now than he would have done if he'd have got them safe earlier and almost been in mid-table where he'd been a little bit like the, the crowd have been coming to the games not interested? Yeah, yeah. I think it has. I think it. I think that's fair point. I think the the unity that feels there now is nothing like I've felt for yeah. probably since I don't know maybe maybe Joe Roy, maybe David Moyes maybe maybe Joe Roy. It, it feels they're all one again now and that was something that we needed and it might be that I mean, it's almost I, like you've won isn't it it's I don't think Frank yeah. Stock will ever be as high as it is now no. by the way because he's no. got to now do something yeah. on it but just right now I think the fans have been unbelievable they've been the player of the season and kept Everton up and all that I think if they bottle it right he can really do something in terms yeah. of building because Everton have got to build it. it I think we have to look and go tell you what if we could get top 10 that would be unbelievable next year and it sounds pathetic me saying that can, can yeah. the one thing out of the season that you take that you can use going forward is you know the scenes outside the ground and, and the atmosphere and there's always obviously the rivalry within the city Liverpool yeah. and, and Everton I get all that and they're always, it's always tit for tat but Liverpool have opportunities to, to have those scenes more because you're involved mm. in sort of bigger games and European games but Everton being in, you know, fighting for the lives brings the supporters together. What could you do next season with that? You can't do that every game no, because it no. loses its its magic. Yeah. But could you do that for, say, every every cup game you had at Goodison yeah. or the, the Derby game or Man United games where it's sort of every three or three weeks, three or four weeks, you're building that sort of that that atmosphere, that coming together, people outside the ground. I think. Uh, I think you could. I think you can do with the home games. It won't be the same level because obviously it was it was intense and it needed it. I still think you can have that kind of thing. Welcome them in for the home for the home games. It's because what it does is it generates an atmosphere. You'll know anyway. I mean, you'll know from being an Evertonian what it was like, and then you'll know now because you've the professional Reds. But taking that atmosphere into the stadium, I talked to Paul about this. Because I've given stick about welcoming the bus in the in the past. So, oh, pipe behaviour. Pipe <laughs> behaviour. You probably you probably said that more than anyone. Yeah. So stop it. Come on. But what it does is you'll know is you'll, it takes that atmosphere into the stadium, then doesn't it? And it's it's enabled Liverpool over the years to turn round games they should never have done. You're looking at going to three 0 down against Barcelona. It's over. Even though I did tell you on that day you should win four 0 and it, and it, they did it. They do it. Brought games back, and Everton have seen that. So I think if the, if they can harness that power a little bit to just keep it going at Goodison. I don't expect when they're leaving the training ground to get the send-offs like they did away. But at home, on a smaller scale, it keeps... It, it, because it's an atmospheric thing then, and players are like, we can respond to this. I, I, think, I, I think with Everton, and I, we analysed it on Monday Night Football, Frank Lampard is a manager who wants to play like a tech Guardiola team. He changed, he completely changed. Yeah. He started playing what I'd call Everton football, at mm. Goodison, tight pitch, using the crowd, going direct, getting on yeah. second balls. And it'll be really interesting next season what he that. does. Yeah. And I, I don't think he should go too far away no. from what he's doing. He needs to be a doing. hybrid, don't Because Everton has always got yeah. to be a place where teams go, oh, I don't want to go to Goodison. We're going to be set pieces, it's going to be aggressive, the crowd are on top of you, and almost use Goodison for the next two or three years and create that bear pit. The energy outside the stadium, because yeah. I think that's the only way you can maybe punch above your weight, yeah, yeah. which would be trying to get into Europe, you know, Europa League position, because mm. you're not going to do more than that. Uh, 
and that's the only way I think it can be achieved. Right, we've got to wrap up this, yep. uh, this little session. Guys, thanks so much for coming on. Cheers. Commiserations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no doubt. Now we've got to talk about the race for the top four, so who better to talk to than Robbie and Bardi? Robbie, come to the stage. Come on, Robbie. <laughs> it, 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 it's a painful end to the season. I was a fellow Guna, I don't know, it was, it, it was tough, right? He, he just said to me, he goes, how come you uh, took your train up here today? <laughs> Why don't you just try and fake it and miss the train? I mean, yeah, it was a horrible end to the season. Um, and the fact that they got it. You yeah. know, I think if somebody else would have got it, I might, it might have made it a little less painful for me, but the fact that they got it, that hurts. That really hurts every Arsenal fan, you know? I've mean, um, got to yeah. say, I'm, I'm, re I'm really here to see what kind of propaganda FC, what, how you're going to spin this. It's like your, your greatest ever season with this young, wonderful Our greatest team. ever season? With this, you're, tell <laughs> you're telling us about these... You're starting. <laughs> starting here already. <laughs> telling us about these young players that are going to make a mark on European football. <laughs> That's the greatest. He's, he's right. I mean, our greatest ever season. I know, is, I know, I know. This is your greatest ever season. Right. There, there, there has to be a positive spin. And, and Arsenal would like to put a positive spin on, on what was necessarily a terrible season. I mean, huh. it was a terrible season for Arsenal. They had everything, everything according to them, according to their propaganda, their merchandise, everything. It was set up. It was set up for this beautiful season. Set up for this beautiful season to finish in the top four, and you didn't. We won more football matches than you. No, we won more football I'll, matches than you. I take a lot of positives from this season yeah. for Arsenal, you know, because it was a very young team. And, you know, you, you, when you really break it down, you know, um, Arsenal right at the end, they were running on empty. You know, and there were some, we've made some mistakes. I feel the, the managers and the owners in January, they made a huge mistake. I said it at the time. You know, when, when, yeah. when Aubameyang went, we didn't replace him. How can you not replace a striker like that. We desperately needed a midfield player. Um, we didn't replace, um, you know, we, we didn't bring in a midfield player at that time. We had Thomas Partey just coming back from the African Cup of Nations. We knew we needed these players. We knew our squad was thin. We sent four players out and didn't replace any of them. And we were kind of hoping on a prayer that if we could keep everybody fit, you know, we could probably get over the line. But in the end, the gamble didn't pay off. And we were relying on young players. I heard Gary saying it on, on some of his shows, and, and he was right when he was saying it. We're relying on young players, and at the end, they run out of steam. But I take positives, because I see, the, the, you know, I see a team where there's got some great young players. I see a team that's moving forward. I, if we make the right additions um, next season, um, sorry, in the uh, transfer window, hmm. I really see that we can progress. So I take positives. I know it's like, you know, it's like you've won a trophy for you guys because you've finished above us and you've got into the top four, but this is still part of our progression. Carrie, you're, sh you're shaking your head. You don't no, believe so? No, I, I wanted Arsenal to get top four because I, I like what Mikel Arteta's done. I actually think Mikel Arteta's done a really good job. I really do believe that. And I love the young players that they've got. But when you're talking about actually going forward and you can build from that, I get that. But Mikel Arteta right now, even though he's done a good job, is not at the level of a Conte, a Tuchel, a Klopp mm -hmm. and a Pep Guardiola. And I think 
that opportunity in that game at Newcastle is, I believe that'll be a game that Arsenal fans look back on and think that was where it went wrong for Mikel Arteta. Because when you're saying about bringing people in and to build and process, I get that. But you'll have less money now. That top four will have more money. And I just think that was a massive opportunity. But having no European football, that was a big advantage for you this season. You're now going to play Thursday, Sunday. I don't see how you get Champions League. There's no way to start the next season, whoever you bring in. I'm sure you bring a striker and a couple of players. I would even think Arsenal would be close to the top four. I might be Why proven not? wrong, but... No, I disagree. Why not? Nobody would, have, nobody would have thought we would have been where we are. Why not? And you said no European football. Do you hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah so, so you that said, was your big advantage. You had no, no you, European football. Next yeah. year, you've got to play Thursday, Sunday. And fair enough. Your why squad can't we do is that? not... You'll, you'll bring four or five players because you need to because of numbers. Yeah. It's whether you can get that quality and bring and a centre-forward Why, why can't we do that? Because like you've got to have less money than other teams who've got I'm better sorry, managers team, than you and better who? teams. Yeah, I just think... Like well, your team is who? <laughs> so you won a trophy then? No, we're not. Okay, then you're a trophy. Well, Ty, Ty. When you end up 22 years ahead of us and you get an invincible team and you win a league at Old Trafford and you win the most ever cup, you come... There's been 228 league games since you finished above us. Six so, years, so kids that. have been born and gone. I think Jamie was still playing football last time you finished years. above us. I could have raised a child to be one, and you still haven't ended up higher than us. So I don't know why you're talking. Why, why right. talk? When you win something, come so and can, chat Hang on, can no one criticise Arsenal? I'm not saying that. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is... So what's your problem with what, no, I, what no, no, I said? No, no, what I'm saying is... No, 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 Jamie, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, this man now is trying to come and diss us. This us if you're higher than us. If you're Liverpool Man City at all. If you're Tottenham... We were higher than you. Oh, sorry. You're higher than us. What did you win? What did you win? What did you win? What did you win? It's a cup... What did you... No, what did you win? You're basing everything... Would you sell... Where was your last trophy? You would sell your FA Cups for a manager like Conte. I know you're there lording Conte, but you don't know if he's... You know, you don't know if you're going to stay there. You know what I mean? He's only signed an 80-month contract. If he stays there long term... Of course, he's a, he's a, he's a world-class manager. Brian, and, Brian, and, do, you think, do you not think that getting that Champions League was the key for him? I think, I think so. That's the reason he will stay. If he didn't get Champions League, I think he would have been gone this season. You can, see what, you can see what he's done with, um, with the supporter base. You can see what he's done with Kane. He's, he's yeah, got Kane, Kane back Kane on side. He's got the supporters back on side. He's got the whole club Kane all of a leave. sudden is moving in the right direction. Kane, Tottenham fans are booing. And the, the beautiful thing about Conte is um, you can see here in Klopp and Guardiola, these guys are characters and their character is reflected <clears> in their team. And Conte has that as well. Arteta sold or booted out all the characters and in his team the and they've got nothing left now. And they're, just, they're just a right. club that got bullied at White Hart Lane and they bullied got bullied by who? at Newcastle. Well, going down to they, 10 men. They couldn't, they going down to 10 couldn't men. survive. Going down to 10 as men. As you said, said yourself, Gary, they got brutalised. As I said, just going back on that. You get bullied every year. You also got battered at the Emirates. Yeah. I think exactly. you forget that. We had Nuno. Hold on. We put three passes at the Emirates as well. We did two months without taking a shot I think you do forget that and with your great manager, you just finished above us, right? Was, it, there was small, small margins in it. I, I look back on it and I think it wasn't just a Newcastle game. I feel that when we came back after the international break, we were in a great position to get that top four. We went and lost three games in a row. Our team's too fragile. Our team needs investment in it. We need like um, some top quality ready-made players, I feel, that can come in that are not going to be kids that have to be developed. We've got enough of them at the moment that are really, really good. But we need some ready-made. We need it uh, um, in January, to be truthful. So I, I think if we can get the transfer business right um, in the summer. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Why can't we um, be come back well, again? I, next I think year? Man United will be much better as well. But I, I want to ask you about Tottenham because I, I know there's that rivalry, and you're saying they haven't. When did they win a trophy? They have. That. It's true. But I know, it's I know, I know it's true. But what else okay. is true? For a long time, I've seen the last time, four or 20... five years, Tottenham have been better than Arsenal yeah, for the last four or five so years. I know they've won nothing. If they've won nothing, but... that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean. Anything. I always see Arsenal as a bigger club than Tottenham as it is growing. I know they are. But for the last four or five years, Tottenham have been better than Arsenal. How can that have been allowed to happen? But he's, 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 Tottenham have been better than Arsenal this season, especially. I mean, as, as, as an Arsenal fan, watch all the games, season to go. Like I go, and at times we've been terrible. For long, for long stretches of the season, I feel like we've been we've been terrible, and then we've had, you know, blips where we've been good and, and people get excited again. But it's been for Spurs. This is like it's no insult, Christmas but it's, you've beaten us by, by a point, and it's, it's like it's, it's Christmas. Well, you know, like, we, is we it, is you, are manager. you really going in the right direction? The manager hasn't had three years at Tottenham, but the thing about being a big club is you be, be a big club. Just do it. Don't talk about being a big club. Don't when it matters, talking, win talking. the games, finish in the top four, and win then move trophies. on from there. I honestly win believe what we've done this season has given us a stepping stone far greater than what Arsenal have. They, <laughs> this has hurt them. This was their opportunity. You are kidding, aren't you? Man United you your transition. Tottenham starting the season under Nuno and everything else that's happened. They had an opportunity here to really jump forward a few years and they haven't taken it. And we're going to strengthen and it's a problem for them. And it, it could go another few more uh, years. Uh, Jerry, do you see... I think it's a big problem for Arsenal. Yeah. I, I, I'm with Jamie. I was on that Monday night football. I was in actually to be fair. I was, did the North London derby on the Thursday. You I thought we were going to win the game against Newcastle, man. What? You thought we were going to win the game against Newcastle? I, I, I did at half time because I was giving you the benefit of the doubt, thinking that something was going to happen. But to be honest with you, on the Thursday at Tottenham, I knew you'd lose that game. Actually, I've had some dubious predictions this season. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Arsenal, I've been, I think I've got pretty spot on. And the Arsenal fans have been going for me now for about three or four months, battering me. Because I said that Mikel Arteta, if he got to Champions League, should probably leave. I said it on this show. You did say that. Um, why was a, that? Why did you say that? It was a strange thing for me to say. I don't know why I said it, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think the point I was trying to make was... It's not going to get better. No, the point I was trying to make was that I feared... I actually no really chance. like Mikel Arteta. No chance. Yeah, right. I really like Mikel Arteta. In fact, he's brilliant friends with my brother. Um, and okay. I just feared that if he didn't get Champions League, he would be in big trouble. And I feared that could happen. And I thought if he got Champions League, it would never get better. One of the things we've seen at Tottenham for the first time since perhaps Pochettino's early days is 
our manager's been able to improve players. Ben Davies, look, Matt Doherty was a running joke for us. And then all of a sudden, when he gets injured, he's out. We played a North London derby and Romero's injured and we have to put Davinson Sanchez in, a, uh, in the back three. And it doesn't affect us. The team continues to move, move on. And Arsenal keep talking about their injuries and everything else. A great top manager. Every team has injuries. A great manager continues to move forward and continues so, to improve the players. So what happens with what happens with Conte? And the reason I say, to be fair, he, he shouldn't come to Old Trafford. Conte comes in, he drills them. It's a military regime. It is a military regime. It's not fun, right? You speak to any Chelsea player, any player who's worked under him, right? He's brilliant. He improves them. It's like a, it's, it, it's methodical when you're watching. But you know exactly what, what United needs. No, no. You know exactly what pass is going to come next. He does it for about 18 months, two years, and then the players are just completely frazzled. He's frazzled and he leaves and he goes for a new challenge. That's exactly what happens. He's had six managerial jobs. They're all two years because the players, after two years, they just cannot do it anymore. The nutrition is like another level. The training's like I say, a military regime. He's brilliant. It's what Tottenham players needed. Now, you could say, would I, as a Manchester United fan, in January, would I have wanted that? I'd have been sat here in 18 months. We may have got fourth. We may have got fourth, Manchester United. We even could have got fourth. We may have even done all right you next season. But then we've, we're just thinking, basically, like we were with Jose, like we were a little bit with Louis Vanger, we're just going to go for that short-term block. I, I don't think Manchester United can ever think like that. I don't think Liverpool, to be fair, would ever think like that. Even with Julian and Benitez, yeah. they were there for four or five years. I know each. because you're doing well. You, you, what you've, I think, what, and I know we're getting onto sort of Man United. What you've got to forget, a manager has longevity because he's successful. It's not like we, it's not the other way well, around. We'll, we'll continue. You, do, you don't say. Klopp's had seven years. He's had seven years because he's will good. Liverpool appoint Conte next if he was available? Would they do that after Klopp? Will they do it? They won't. Will City appoint Conte if he's available, if Pep leaves next year? No, they won't. The same reasons that Manchester United shouldn't appoint him, in my opinion. I might be wrong. You I'm not, right I'm not saying I'm wrong. Man United fans Liverpool might be right. Now. Some Man United fans wanted him at the club. Fair enough. No, I don't get, you've got to get, listen, this is maybe the more, the more the Man United chap, but the, the idea of having someone for a long time, most managers at every club are there for two or three years. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not well. the, the, the Ferguson and Wenger years are gone. They would have had him pulling off his wheel. I was told. I, promise I, you'd have been pulling I was out told. Every time I've been on television for ten years, people have said you've got to forget the Alex Ferguson era. You can't think longevity anymore. And all of a sudden now I'm thinking, hang on a minute. One guy's been there for seven years. One guy's been there for six years. Because so, the goods. But but point, because the goods. My point is, I was told. I know. No, no, I was told managers didn't stay even if they're good anymore. They just leave after three years. They don't. They stay if the conditions are right, if the environment's right, if the funding's right, if the ownership's right. So you can achieve it if you get it right. And I think Manchester United should be looking more down that path than thinking we should have a manager coming for two years and get top four. No, That's but what, you, what you can do is a manager contact can. At Inter, he he's left, brilliant. but I he saw what was... I, know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think at Inter, he saw what was happening. Lukaku, Hakimi, they were, all, they were all going. And he was unable to stay a little bit longer because he didn't have the backing or the funds to be able to he change does that it. He right. goes. We, we could, was able to change no, his team. Does that this can go goals. on and on and on. He creates Guys. that... <laughs> he, honestly, as, as sure as day, he will create that angst in his press conferences in the next six to eight months, 12 months, to create a point so he can leave and make it look like the board's fault. That's what he does. He does it really well. He did it at Chelsea. He's a master of it. So do you think yeah, that when the you So with your, with your wonderful manager mm -hmm. and your wonderful setup and everything's great, yeah. you think you're going to win the trophy next year? What you're doing is you're putting but, too no, much no, onus no, on a cup yeah, competition. No, you came in confidence. I'm just on a cup you. competition. When you win something like us and Manchester United... Six years time. Six years, Martin. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you as well, Sam. It wouldn't be an overlap fan debate without a little United argument. So without further ado, 
Adam McCola and Stephen Harrison, where are you? Yeah. Welcome. Here we go. I'm going to get straight into it. I mean, not, not an ideal season. Finish with a bit of a whimper, right? What are we talking about last year? Let's focus on the positives. <laughs> you ain't getting away that easily. Right. I mean, the season for me finished after the Atletico Madrid game, I think, and it felt like the dressing room yeah, switched off after why that. Why are you well. ignoring winning the Youth Cup and the Eredivisie? <laughs> when was the last time an English team won Eredivisie? <laughs> 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 no, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm revelling in this, I, I can't lie. So, Bro, you can't revel in this. You're important, I'll tell you. We listen, both I, I feel, I, I We're both in League, Josh. I feel your pain, but I We're remember the old days. Pain. I remember the old days. You had no sympathy for us. Exactly. Eric Ten Hag in, uh, in the stands. <laughs> how do you feel about that? I mean, he had a press conference. He's, he's a man of like a few words, I think. I think that's how I'd describe him. I was glad to see Eric Ten Hag there and witness that performance because one of my fears is he comes back in in the summer at pre-season and a lot of these shithouses that have been there all season continue to do the same, you know, turn up, oh, we got a new manager, a little spring in our step and then fool everyone into thinking that they are Manchester United players because I think 50, 60, 70% of them aren't good enough to be playing for Manchester United. Um, whether that's... Ability-wise, mentality-wise, whether they want to be there or not. I think there's a whole combination of things in the dressing room. I think you only have to look at the fact Pogba, Lingard, Mata, Matic. Who else? Um, a whole host Jones. of players. Phil Jones. That's about seven, eight members of the squad that are definitely not going to be there next season. You combine that with the players that we don't necessarily think are good enough. Some players that are good enough, but Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. I feel like once upon a time at Manchester United when Gary Neville and, and Cole were there, a player stood out if they weren't pulling their weight, if they weren't winners, if they weren't demanding more. And I think Cristiano Ronaldo stands out like a sore thumb because he's wanting to be a winner. He demands everything. And I, can't, I don't think the dressing room could cope with that. We were second. We bring in Sancho, Varane, Ronaldo. And you start to talk about potentially challenging for the league. Let's be real. That's what we were thinking yeah, about. And, excited about it. and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. And I think there's a lot of things wrong at the club. I like what was said about Everton, where United are almost Everton on steroids because I feel like the culture at the club's rotten. Um, we're rewarding players with contracts left, right and centre when they're not really deserving of them. Um, and I think it's just fed into the dressing room of being happy to be there and not deliver. Gary, you know, you know, I mean, this is your forte, United. I mean, in terms of what's gone wrong this season, where you think there was, was there a, was there a turning point? Was, is, is it the dressing room? Is it the manager? Is it? That dressing room, I used the word about probably two months ago. Broken is the word that I used. It's broken, that dressing room. It's it absolutely, you can't fix that dressing room. I don't know, I don't know where Eric Tan Hag starts. Um, and that's my biggest fear for him in the first few months, that ultimately, you know, these players are a little bit like, I, I, I don't know where the clicks are. I'm not close yeah. enough to it. But you mentioned the word rotten, broken. Um, Harry Maguire has gone from being someone who I think was growing on the pitch last year in COVID to someone who's now looks like he's shot to pieces when he pulls on a red shirt. Um, Bruno looks like half the player. Um, the rest of them, the young players, look completely like you've lost complete faith in Let's get rid of them. That's, that's when something's gone fundamentally wrong in the club, in the changing room, with the leadership. And I don't think you can dissolve anybody of blame. Everybody has to take blame for that. Um, I tried, I, try, I, I was right with what I was saying about Ollie. They had to try and keep Ollie in a job. 
because it was just right to try and get to the end of the season if they could. I wasn't against the appointment of an interim manager because I thought that the right manager wasn't available that they could think about for the long yeah. term. So when Ralph Ranić came in, I thought, OK, well, let's try and see if we can get it to the end of the season. But whereas Di Matteo at Chelsea, I think Hiddink's done it at Chelsea really well, this was more like me at Valencia. It was more like, you know, giving, giving it someone you think you can get to the end of the season, yeah. hoping they'll get to the end of the season. And it ended up going horribly wrong then for Ralph Ranić, where he even looks now, you know, like you're questioning him and the decisions he's made. Yeah. But the reality of it is, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It, it really is. It's a massive problem. And look, we're all optimistic about a new manager coming at any club. That's how it's how it works. But I'm, I'm actually very cautious in my optimism. I'm ve- I don't think there's many United fans sat there thinking, wow, here we go. Yeah. We're almost cautiously optimistic. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of the same. It's where Eric Ten Hag is a fantastic coach. And I think for the first time, you know, Moyes, all right, we, we kind of just, you know, listened to Fergie and jumped on the bandwagon a bit. But Van Aal, Mourinho, they were all kind of past it. Their best years were behind them. Ten Hag is the first one where you feel, oh, he's got something about him. He could possibly grow into become a manager that's here for 10 years rather than 10 months, uh, like Jamie said. But there is that thing, whereas at, at Ajax, he had Van der Sar around him. He had Overmars briefly. There was a, there was a proper structure there, proper, proper culture to the club. And... I don't reckon there is. If he's not happy with Cristiano Ronaldo, can he just go, listen, I want to get rid of him? Because the Manchester United board are going to go, well, actually, we've missed out on Champions League football this year. Cristiano Ronaldo guarantees us X amount in commercial contracts, so we'll have to keep him. You know, you can just get by with it. And that's the kind of feel at United that the board are always going to be undermining any manager or hindering the progress that they make. i got a point on that. Where we are now is the culmination of one man's 10-year work. And for me, that's Ed Woodward. The appointments of managers for me were commercial appointments, sexy names, big names, Louis van Gaal, big name, Jose Mourinho, Moise massive name. Very sexy though, isn't it? Moyes wasn't, but I, th- I understood it at the time. In hindsight, it was awful. I, I, think, I think what you just said is absolutely right. But I do blame the Glazers for that because ultimately they've left him in shop. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've left him behind the counter. You know, and I, he, you can't have 10 years having a go at it you know, playing football manager. You can't have 10 years. You can have three. You could maybe have four. You know, if you don't have success for three years, you've got to change it. And you can't just change the manager. You can't just change, you know, recruitment style. You've got to change yourself. Ed Woodward should have been given three or four years to have a go. Once it got past Louis van Gaal and then it got to Jose. After Jose and the mess of that, he had to go at that point or he had to step away from the football side and have to bring in a football person. So the Glazer family are to blame for leaving Ed Woodward in situ in, in, in place for that period of time. Obviously, now we've got a new CEO at Manchester United. I think there's going to be more power given to him. I do fear that the operation on the football side is still not as strong enough as the other clubs in the league. In fact, I know it's not. It just can't be. So my worry is that they've still not gone external to bring in an outstanding football operator. But we'll see what happens. And for all the people that are thinking, well, United have spent, we have spent, we've spent so much money on transfers, most of that money spent is not all longer at the club. You look at what City have spent, what Liverpool have spent, it's on the pitch. Our big spends, Lukaku and, and now Pogba as of next week, it's not on the pitch. And I think that's a problem. People look at the, the pound note figure at the end and say, you've spent nearly a billion. It's not there. Di Maria, not there. Lukaku, not there. Pogba, I mean, even when he was there, he wasn't there. Like, and when you look at some of the contracts we were awarding, and I think this has kind of just been leaked out the last few weeks, that like there was monetary 
value associated to the player contracts, even if that player wasn't playing, Phil Jones, for example, just give an extension of contracts, whether he deserved it or no, not. We, we, if you look at Man United, I've just seen the England squad announced today, there's only one Manchester United player in that squad. So we've depleted completely mm. our England. You know, we've destroyed players. I'm trying to think in the last 10 years of a player that we've signed that has come to the club, and there will be, I'm sure, but I'm trying to think who they are, that has come to the club and has improved and gone on to become a better player. I'm trying to think of one. And honestly, I, I've only just thought of this in the last five, ten minutes. We were about Klopp before and Pep Guardiola. How they've improved players. Yeah, and what Conte's done to Ben Davies. Which player at Manchester United over a ten-year period has come in and has gone like that and thought, I'll tell you what, he's doing really well. I can't think of what. They all get bogged down by the culture. It's like Bruno initially had that, but now he's not. He looks yeah. like a shell of that man and he just looks frustrated and angry. And like you look at Marcus Rashford, who, you know, two seasons prior to this, 20 goals plus carrying shoulder injuries, back injuries. Now he looks like he never wants to kick a ball again. And I think that comes down to Manchester, like the culture at the club is so wrong, whether it's rewarding players with contracts or not looking after your young stars. Like, we should have been looking after Marcus Rashford and we'll do the same to Jadon Sancho if we're not careful. And Where was the club's advice on that? Marcus playing through a broken back and all these injuries. Why is someone at the club not pulling him out? I mean, listen, we're talking about off the, we talk about off the field a lot at Man United. And, and listen, I, I've, you know more about United than I do. And I, you know, I've got me sort of Liverpool head on. And you've, you've still got to remember, though, the manager is still the most important person for me. And all the things you're talking about off the pitch, that was exactly what was getting said about Liverpool before Klopp came in. Transfer committee, Brendan Rodgers' argument, they're buying, who's buying the players, all this type of stuff going on. A top manager can't fix everything. But a big manager and a top manager, I think, does a lot right. And getting back to the pitch, I think of Pep Guardiola and Klopp right now. When Pep came into Man City, he just went, Joe, no. And everyone's yeah. like, wow, this is England's keeper. He's been a great player for City, but it's like, no, you're not here. Klopp comes into Liverpool straight away and they've all played under Brendan Rodgers in that summer. I think Ben Trecky cost 35, 40 million. It was a few quid, big centre forward. No, you're not for me, out. And it was like making that big, bold decision straight away that it makes everybody sit up and take note and think, oh, this fella takes Do you not think it. every manager wants to make that decision? Is it but not I think about the authority? Got to do it and he's, I'm telling you now, he, I'm convinced he's got to do it with Ronaldo. I'm convinced. Whether he's allowed to or not, and I've said this consistently through this season, that was not a good signing. Cristiano Ronaldo, as he said before, is one of the greatest players of all time. And I'm seen as a guy who's like criticising Ronaldo. Ronaldo's a million times better player than, than I'd ever be. I couldn't lace his boots, obviously. But I'm not saying that to be disrespectful to him. He's amazing. Ronaldo's never played in a team this bad, so he's always played for great teams. And his attitude of trying to be you know, the main man, getting the goals, driving people on. When you're in a great team, that's sometimes seen as a positive. When you're not playing for a great team, it can be seen as a negative, and I think it has been a negative this season. Man United can't go into next season where a centre forward will be 38. Even if he does score goals, that's not right for Man United. AC Milan just won the, the league with Zlatan in his 40s. Pardon? AC Milan have just won the league with Zlatan in his 40s. But that's not Man United. What would you, you're competing with Liverpool and Manchester City, the two best teams in Europe. No, but <laughs> even, the, the problem I say with Ronaldo is Ronaldo this season has done unbelievable. To do what he's doing, at 37, scoring nearly 20 goals in the Premier League for Man United, still possibly being Man United's best outfield player, is unbelievable. But in the but problem, not, not him, for Man United. in everyone else's response to him, and not the problem, players in the dressing room thinking that they can have any kind of attitude towards one of the greatest attitude of all time. Attitude was not a problem for Manchester United last season. It wasn't. Man United were a team you could look at and you go, you know what? 
that's a good group. It's a decent group, that. And if they finish third, do you think Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's really the that much of a catalyst on the players for negative? Then, and I think I think the demands came when Ronaldo and Varane was arrived. So now you have to win the league, and once all demands were on the, this current dressing room, there's always the majority of them United. crumbled. There's always demands on Man United. They're one of the biggest That's clubs the thing, in the I world. I don't think there is. I, I, I genuinely don't think there are those kind of demands coming I, from the I, listen, top I, down. I, I think, I think it's relying on a manager like you he said. He comes in to and makes that miracle. big decision because United need to buy a striker because there's only Ronaldo there. Who do you buy? Do you buy someone to play or someone who's happy to be on the bench? What do you do? If you buy a really good one, you've got to play him and then Ronaldo has to be on the bench. Ronaldo will be a massive problem for Man United next season if he wasn't playing every week. We've seen it this season. Even when he's coming off, even the times when the manager was right to bring him off or put him on the bench, he still kicked up a fuss. I, I kind of see that problem. I kind of mentioned it earlier that if Patenk hard goes, I don't want to keep Ronaldo. He's going to be forced to keep him, and that comes down to the coach from but the club. He shouldn't be forced to keep him. He should be strong enough going in now. This is yeah. this is the most powerful he will ever be. The manager's the most powerful his first day in the job. Because he's there, he can make. He should be able to make decisions on the basis of that, and, and I'd make that big decision as the other top uh, managers done. It'll make everyone sit up and take. He's already. He's already come out. I think he's, he's, he's staying. Stay, I think he's staying because yeah. I think, to be honest with you, there was some. I think uh, when Tenag was announced within two or three days, Cristiano, I think, put something out on his social media feed, and Cristiano would not have put something out in my mind with the operation he has around him, unless there was comfort that the manager would wanted him for next season. He's going to stay. So I think Cristiano's staying. I think the problem at the start of the season was that it created a problem straight away with Cavani. Cavani had been told and I think pleaded with to stay and lead the attack for another year, probably not playing every game because obviously Rashford was there, Greenwood was there at the time. But then when they signed Ronaldo, it completely put the nose out of Cavani was just shot then. He's finished. He's not on his own in that. No, he's not. They're all, they've all done it in the, in the last day. It upset the dynamic in the dressing room for Bruno, I think, because Bruno looks up to him as almost like a godfather figure with Portugal, mm -hmm. so it made him feel a little bit inferior to what he was before. It made Maguire feel a little bit inferior as captain, yeah. just naturally. Nothing through Ronaldo doing this. He's just his presence itself on the pitch means that everyone's looking to Cristiano, and then Harry obviously trying to establish himself as United captain. So I think the dynamic and the way Cristiano, I know the way Cristiano looks at you when he doesn't get what he wants or the pass he wants or the run he wants. I know he was doing that 15 years ago when he was a kid. So he's going to do it now with that aura he has about him, and that you know, Cantona had a little bit of that about him. Cantona wouldn't shout at you, just that little look. Now, we yeah. could handle it because we had, to be fair, other great, to be fair, people in the dressing room, like Steve Bruce and Pallister and Roy Keane and Paul. It's all those players around him. So there wasn't a case if it caused a problem. But in a failing dressing room, in a poor team, those looks can be devastating. Ten Hag came out in his press conference and when he was asked about Ronaldo staying, he, he smiled, he said, what did you bring? He goes, goals. So it does look like, he, you know, you've said he's that he's come out and definitely staying. No, I don't almost think he's guaranteed. Yeah. I genuinely believe it's down to, uh, partly down to us losing Champions League money as well. <laughs> I genuinely, I, I solely I believe they need him for that, the commercial deals as well. Who, who? And that shows you what's wrong with Manchester United. So in that instance, you're not like worried about Ten Hag. If he thinks he's got no choice to do it, wouldn't, as you were saying earlier, wouldn't Pepper Klopp do that? So, so are you saying you feel... I don't, I don't that's know exactly the fine, point. But that's the point. Then, like, are you worried... It does not say, it doesn't say he hasn't got the personality to do that if he hasn't got a choice. I don't, I don't think... Possibly, maybe you shouldn't take the job if you're going to be put in that situation. But maybe those kind yeah. of things crop up further down the line. I think if you look at, I think it was Klopp at Liverpool. He didn't originally want Salah. And you've got the recruitment people in place who go, trust me, you want Mohamed Salah because he's a great signing. Jürgen Klopp says he knows there's, there's parameters he operates under. So it's not as quite as dramatic as mm. you have to keep this football. No, I, every manager's I, got I do disagree. Look, I, I, look I, can't, I can't rule out 
the cynical approach that you've got, that he's been kept financial and commercial reasons, I can't, because I, I wouldn't know. I'd be very surprised, I'd be very, very surprised if he's been kept for those reasons. I do think it's a function of that if he leaves, we have not got a centre-forward. We've not got a centre-forward at the club. So then we have to sign three. We can't sign three, they haven't got the money. So I think it's more of a case of, if they lose Ronaldo's 20 goals, 18 goals, which he'll get, he always gets that, then at least we sign one more centre-forward, we're half OK. We've got Sancho, we've got um, Rashford. Can, can we talk about Rashford, though? What, you've worked with him he'll as a coach. Right with what's, what do, yeah, I think he'll what do, do all right with Rashford. I think Tenag will look at Rashford and think he's a project I can work with. I think Tenag will look at him and think, he's quick, he runs. If I can give him some coaching, I think I can work with him. What's come wrong with him? Is it that lack of coaching, that lack I of love? With Rashford, for me, it's a combination of the disease that's been in the United dressing room this season, the confidence of every single player, the performances, the media scrutiny, including ourselves on television. I think there's no doubt that the mass campaigns that he's had off the pitch, which have, to be fair, achieved more than he's achieved on the football pitch, must take its toll. They must take their toll on your, sort of, if you like, your... Um, your people contacting you all the time, the demands on him from a non-football perspective. You know, he's there, he's paid to be a Manchester United football player and he's got almost like a second job, which is, to be fair, a job that, to be fair, is giving him far greater um, reward at the moment in terms of what he's achieving. He's achieving unbelievable things. But that is six a massive, weeks in a season. That is a massive thing. pressure as well, that, on a kid. That, to, to live up to that expectation on the pitch and off the pitch of being that man, Marcus Rashford, you know, you're kneeling down in front of the Queen one minute and the next minute you're asking to go and play football. That must take a toll on a player. So he's, he's, just, he's just not quite good enough for Man United, Marcus Rashford. That's all. That's it is, more simple it? than my analysis. It's just, that's it. <laughs> See, he's just not quite good enough for United. He's top I think of he is. He's proven that, though. He's proven that. I'm sorry. What I do know is going to be a very, very interesting summer. I can't let him get away with that. Sorry, He's not going to win you the league or the Champions League. No, I'm sorry. That's like saying... He could be part of it. No, no. It's really important. Two up front with them to have to be megastars no. and he's like the no. addition. It's really important to say that. No, what? that's like saying Divock Origi's not good enough for Liverpool. It's like saying Shakiri's not good enough for Liverpool. It's like no. saying. I'm talking about the first 11. No. I'm a squad player. But my point is, yeah, but you have a squad of 20. Okay, well, fine to be a squad player. He's not good enough to be in the first 11 to he's win Manchester United the big trophies. He's just a little bit level below. If that. Jurgen Klopp had him when he had Mane, I think you've seen the same. Thing. Yes, let's well, talk about Mane. Let's all those players have performed. How much of a genius was David Beckham? <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> I think he's come underrated. I don't think people. We just want to talk about the past, Gary. We don't want to talk about you. Yeah, Listen, I, love guys, it. I love it. Hopefully, you improve in the summer. Sort out the dressing room, but guys, thank you very coming. much. Appreciate it, Adam. <laughs> Appreciate it, Stephen. Right, it's time to chat to the fans. Who better start with? And Sophie, let's talk about Chelsea. Oh, really? Yep. It's, hey, it, sorry, I'll. A season that. that kind of petered <laughs> out. You, I think you expected a lot more, right? I think we underachieved, yes, but I think. Overall, with everything that happened off the pitch, I think, OK, we still won the Club World Cup. We still got Champions League football. Can't rip, like, you know, Chelsea fans do have high expectations winning two Champions Leagues in the last, what, nine years. But I think for us, the turning point, <clears throat> whether you agree with me or not, I think when Lukaku did that interview, not only did he sort of bring the morale of the club down, he did it to, he did it to himself and put so much pressure on himself then to do well, since then he never came back from it. And he was our big signing of the, the season. He was the one who was meant to bring in the goals, you know, have us challenging for the title. And we didn't do that. And then you combine that with having all the ownership problems and not even being able to have some of the fans, you know, fill out the stadium every week. Um, 
I think, you know, I just believe things that happen off the pitch affect things that happen on the pitch. Um, and it just went from bad to worse there. Not only that, we had, I don't want to blame it on injuries because I don't think that's fair, but we had our left and right wing backs both quite injured and that sort of put things on a downer anyway. So I think all things consider considering, we can't really be too selfish, if that makes sense. Disappointing season for Chelsea overall. I mean, Jose said when, you know, in one of his, his second stint at Chelsea that Lukaku talks too much and he seems to get himself in trouble again. The, 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 the Lukaku that's turned up, I had him down as being a top scorer. I can't believe how he's played there. I mean, he, the, the Lukaku that came to United has gone to Chelsea. Um, but the, before that interview came out, do you remember the game before that? I think it was Aston Villa and he banged in a goal there and he was like ran through their defence and he was... You know, he was good. He was, I think was, there was problems before that, though. Maybe, but I'm, I'm just saying, because I don't I, think that interview yeah. did him any favours for I himself. That, I thought Tuchel's interview after that Aston Villa game, he brought him on sub, he didn't start that no, game. No, he didn't, no. It was interesting what he said then. You, I already thought something's not quite right. When, when your £100 million striker gets back fit, you normally go straight back in the team. He was on the bench for three or four games, and I, I, I could sense something even before the interview, and I think that's one of the reasons why the interview happened. But I think... What, what this season has shown me and sort of confirmed what I've always probably felt with Lukaku is, he's just a level below yeah. the real sort of... Who, who we, I mean, there's not that many strikers now, people play differently, but when I think of the real sort of five or six top centre-forwards or strikers or wide forwards out there, I do think Lukaku's just below that. I've never felt he was, he was Lewandowski or a Harry Kane or, you know... Mo Salah's a different type of player, or, or a Haaland, or an Mbappe. I've always felt, you know, when he was at United, even at Everton, even though we got loads of goals, there was always like sort of question marks, what does Holder play, as where creates involvement in the team. And I think what I've seen this season has probably confirmed that for me, that I don't think he's quite as good as maybe at times people have said he is, or at the level of other top strikers. I, I, I think Chelsea had a really good season, considering. I think that I, I, was, I did the Carabao Cup final, and they should have won that game. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. They had chances in the FA Cup final. I think the injuries to James and to Chilwell are big. I think, obviously, the ownership problems are big. Losing to Real Madrid in the last 10 minutes, when to be fair, they had that game in, in that. So they could have been in such a different position, I Chelsea. I think if we also won that Real Madrid game, maybe it would have given us a bit of boost going into the FA Cup final. Yeah. Stuff. Maybe that's wrong, I don't know. But that's the way, that's the sort of feeling I get, and I think they're all pretty down about that. Um, but in terms of Lukaku, anyway, like you know, it's not like Tuchel said after that interview, see you later, we're not going to play you anymore. He's had plenty of chances to prove himself since then and he really hasn't done that. And you can say, oh, he doesn't get service, it's not in the right system, but I don't really agree with that but he did, all he the did, time. He, he did the interview when he went to Italy where he talked about his nutrition, now he changed his lifestyle. But that seems to have gone out of the window since he's gone back to being his, his United you know, his United weight, if you like. Whereas in Italy, there was a difference, there was a massive difference. I don't know what it is. I, I can't put my finger on it. Lukaku's the one... Uh, Everton are a mystery this season, to be honest with you. United are a complete mystery. But Lukaku is the other one for me. I had him down as top scorer. If, if he said to me, would he score more than 23 goals and Son and Salah? I'd said, yeah, 23 goals, he'll easily do that. I can't believe he's not. I also think the way he spoke, though, he's, he sort of wants to be the main man. And at Chelsea, you have loads of big players. And also, we work well as a team together. And I think the Premier League now, to win the Premier League, you have to play well as a team together. It's not all about that, way, that one man. Otherwise, Man United would have done 10 times better this Ooh. season. So, no, that's not dig. I'm just, I'm just being. I'm just. No, I'm just being honest. It's you know collectively. So I, I think a lot of it is ego yeah. as well, and I think you've got to drop that a little bit. I, I think Chelsea. What's happened this season is that they've they almost got themselves in a fight for the top four. When I think in reality, 
100%. It's almost the top three. I know yeah. Liverpool and City, there's a massive gap between the two, but I do, I do think next season, you mentioned Tottenham as well. I don't think Chelsea would win the league next season, but for the majority of the season, it felt like it was a top three and then Liverpool and City pulled away. I still class Chelsea as a real threat, whereas I see sort of probably United, Arsenal, Tottenham challenging for the top four, whereas I see Chelsea as almost part of the top three, but, but not you, quite but there. Do you think with the three defenders leaving and the ownership challenge, do you think that that comes back a little bit towards? Yeah, maybe. I'm talking about this season oh, without yeah, the yeah. sort of problems and the injuries they get. I think that's a lot closer. I think the points they've got this season, I think there are reasons why they almost got themselves in a top four race, because I think it is almost a, a top three. You, you could see Chelsea were in the Champions League, even this season, yeah. even when they weren't sort of at the state, the, the level of Liverpool and City, you're still thinking, you know, they should have beat Real Madrid, the situation they're in. They could beat City in a one-off game. They take Liverpool to the wire in both cup finals. So they've, they're, they're definitely, right now, a level above the other teams who are sort of not far behind them in top four. Ken, Newcastle fan, things seem to be going right for you at the end of the season. How much are you looking forward to next year? I don't think I've looked forward to a season now for 10 years. So this will be like the first time I've looked forward to a season for probably more than that, to be fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon. Don't even have one negative to say. Can you believe since the last time <laughs> I was here? Don't have one negative to say. Honestly, I'm over the moon with how the season ended. I haven't heard much transfer. That, you know, when, when the, the new ownership was announced, there was a lot of transfer rumours, who could go. It's, it's, kind of, it's quite quiet now. If you, if, from your point of view as a fan on the ground, if you had the ears to the ground, who have you heard? Who would you like to bring in? Where do you need to strengthen? Because you had a great end to the season. Yeah, great end to the season. Um, to be honest, I don't think anyone could have expected January to go as well as it did, especially the signings, because every single signing, bar maybe Chris Wood, um, has hit the ground running and done exceptionally, even compared to the fact that Kieran Trippi only played about four games. Um, he's still the impact on the team that he's had has been exceptional. Um, Summer, I don't know where we're going to strengthen. I think we obviously need another striker, in my opinion, because Callum Wilson, unfortunately, he's an unbelievable striker, doesn't stay fit for a full season. Um, same with, obviously, when we were talking about Everton earlier. Um, probably need another centre-back in. Obviously, Matt Target was alone, so we're probably going to need another left-back, and it looks like he's actually not going to stay permanently. Um, he is on, in talks to join Fulham, so we have been looking abroad. Trippier, we've gone for Renan Lodi now from Atletico Madrid, so Brazilian international, looking like a little Brazilian cohort going on at Newcastle <laughs> at the moment, um, which is crazy, but to be honest, even whatever we do in the summer window, the main thing for me has been the players that we already had that have just come on leaps and bounds. Like Joe Linton, for example, 40 million bargain. 40 million bargain now. Um, he's just been insane. Fabian Shah, who's extended his contract luckily, and yeah, it's just an exciting summer for once, considering last summer, no, Joe Willock, last day of the season. Can, can I ask you a question about the ownership? Because I know that obviously you were relieved to get rid of Mike Castle. This is not yeah. a loaded question in any way, shape or form. But I know that you obviously the Saudi ownership is massively criticised by yeah. the media for what they do in their own country. Yeah. Are the Newcastle fans, I know you're supportive of them and have been so far, but is there any dissenting voices? And you personally, how do you feel about the Saudi ownership in terms of them coming in at Newcastle? Yeah, I've had my own say on it. Um, I have spoken out on it and said that I'm not going to be the person to literally celebrate, celebrate Saudi Arabia or the owners in general. Um, I'm looking at it from a club level and a football level and I support my club, so therefore it almost comes with the baggage of support and the owners in a sense. Um, I don't agree with obviously, you know, waving Saudi flags and um, doing this, that and the other, which our fans have sadly done. Um, but I do believe we shouldn't also shy away from speaking about 
the human rights issues, not just in Saudi Arabia. In general, our own country has its own problems. Um, as I know you speak out about yourself, Gary, a lot. Um, I think this gives us a platform as football fans. Despite the fact it shouldn't be on football fans to speak about these things, it gives us a platform to acknowledge that and speak about it and invite that conversation. And I don't think we should shy away from that type of conversation. I, I, I think that's, I mean, I think what it's a really good approach, because it's my approach to it as well. But ask a question again, another question. How do Newcastle fans then, the 50 odd thousand that turn up every week and the tens of thousands that are outside the ground, how do you, through the power of supporting the club and supporting your ownership in terms of their support for the club, how do you then work with those owners to ensure that they do change what they're doing over in Saudi Arabia in terms of their treatment of people? That would be really powerful. And I think the same maybe with other clubs as well, not just obviously with, with Newcastle United. Yeah, I think, as I said, it's inviting that conversation. It's actually trying to actively make the owners and beyond look at what is going on in their country. Because obviously, it's even took till 2022 in America for like equality in the women's and men's game internationally. And that's took till now. Um, they're miles behind that. There's millions of countries miles behind Well, it's not millions of countries, but there's several countries miles behind that. It's not just Saudi Arabia. Um, so if we invite that conversation, if we talk about we don't just overshadow things we don't just simply focus on the football this is my own opinion i think that we should actually welcome the debate i think we should welcome the conversation despite the fact you might not know everything about it you might not even really understand what's going on over there but if you invite that conversation you learn about it because of who we are owned by i think then you can then go forward and actually try and actively make a change i, th I think that that's my view is welcome welcome them but guardedly and place demands upon them to change i think that has to be the way forward know that on a on a footballing basis how far do you think Newcastle can go you think of how bad the first half of the season was and then they've brought players in in January and let's not kid ourselves and, and criticize Newcastle saying oh you spent a hundred million they bought players who were just decent Premier League players let's not get carried away Trippier and Gamares are probably players who you think for the future the rest of them are just players who you'd expect to be near the bottom of, of the Premier League. So where did you end up finishing as a 10th? 11th. 11th. So, Nick, so we're talking if they have a proper season from the start of the season. I think they only won one, one or two games. We won our first 14, we were winless. No clubs ever fought relegation yeah. winless in their first 14 so games. You think of the players that they got right now, what they're going to bring to it, and they finished 11th now. We're probably talking about where we'd expect them to finish, maybe in the top eight next season. Could they can challenge, they challenge Wolves? Can, can they, they challenge Wolves? Europa League positions? And I'm not just saying this to wind tie up, <laughs> but just the fact that you're you're next to them. I think they're a big problem for someone like Arsenal. Well, if, you, if you looked at the game against Arsenal, you know, you you're even no, I'm not no, you're not as good as Arsenal right now. I'm talking in terms yeah. of like the next two or three years, in yeah. terms of getting into the Champions League. No, but the players. You're talking about in terms of attracting players. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the players Newcastle are going to be trying to go for now. The wages they can provide. Arsenal right now, if you were a player, you'd still go to Arsenal. What I'm saying is that gap is going to be getting closed. It, well, Newcastle well, are not going well, away. Well, I, I, I honestly think right, I, I was at that game. Yeah. And I'm not talking I, about that I, specific I, game I, in terms I, of their. No, I'm not even just talking about a specific game. I've been to Newcastle so many times over the years. When you go to the game, every fan's moaning. Before the games even started, Mike Ashley this, Mike Ashley that. I went, when I went to that game, I feared even before we got in there because every fan was buzzing. They're right behind that team. They're right behind the manager and they've got the money. I do feel that, you know, I, I, I looked at it and thought to myself, you know what, they are going to be a threat, not just to to Arsenal, to everybody, oh. in, in, in the next few, with the money they've got coming in, and, and, and you know, Newcastle is just like a one city, 
you know, it's, everyone in that city supports that team. I just, I, I, think, just, I, I think they're going to be serious in the next few years. No, I, really I, do. I, I do. The reason I mentioned Arsenal because I think they're almost like the first ones. They'll think we can pick them off in terms of if you haven't got Champions League and we, what we said before, it's not a, an Arsenal thing. But what I'm saying is, eventually, if that you know revenue they can keep spending, they bring the sponsorship in, you know, as maybe Manchester City do, they can then compete against like the, the real top teams and, and try and win trophies. With the money they're going to have, with the support they've got, the stadium they already have, I think every. Are they a fear for you next season? I, I, I think they're fair, I, I, f f Maybe not next season, but I think in the next few seasons, they should be a fear for everybody. Because I, I just saw, you know, if Man City can be where they are, why can't Newcastle, with their fan base, is a bigger fan base, with the, with the, the club, with the, and if they get a great... You know, honestly, <laughs> I guess there was a slide there, but I'm too hungover. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's not a, honestly, it's not a slight. I'm just saying that from what I saw, the vibe I picked up there, I think they're a threat to everybody in the next few years. I really mm -hmm. do think. I mean, sort of goes season. back to what you guys were saying earlier about you know the Premier League being strong. You know, I mean, you, you look at Villa finished. Where, where did they finish? And look at their team. You know, no, there's some very good players in in this Premier League. So. Yeah, they're going to be up there, I think. Our former season, at a point, like literally till I think April, was only second to Liverpool's. Just in the second half of the season. Um, like, just the rejuvenation's insane. And I don't want people to get carried away from we're going to spend 200 million in the summer. We can, technically. Um, <laughs> but I don't think we will. I think it's just going to be, it's not going to be Man City. It, I'm like, I hope people think that, don't think that it is, because it isn't. It's going to be a steady progress. And if we're, they said five to 10 years for a league title. The way I've seen this going, I think it might be a little bit less than 10 years, maybe maybe seven, to battle for a league title. Um, people might not agree with that. I've been one of the most cautious people that I know about that. People are saying three years. No, it won't be. Um, but I think to easily compete consistently for top four, I think it'll be about seven years. Um, and to come from that, from where we were, um, we were 20th at Christmas, is wow. literally insane. Wow. Only a few minutes left. Going to open it up to the guys. Any questions? Um, it's actually not about Leeds. Um, I just want to know what your guys' opinions are on uh, West Ham this season. We've not spoke about West Ham. Another decent enough season. Uh, Moy's done a good job. Jared Bowen's been called up for England today. Um, it's kind I'm, of a, I'm a massive fan of David Moyes. Yeah. I think I, I, I know it didn't work for him. And he may be certain managers right for certain teams, and maybe he's not right for one of the absolute giants in this country. But the job he did at Everton, I think he can replicate at uh, West Ham, where they're punching above the weight. The, you know, trying to get into Champions League, it's always be tough for West Ham to sort of get in there. It was always tough for Everton, but they got in there once, but they were all sort of top seven. And they may have one season. What, what I hope West Ham don't do is they might have one season where they finish 12th with Moyes. I think it probably happened once at Everton where they just have a season where it's not quite where, where they normally are. And not to think, oh, this is a bad season. You've got a manager who consistently overachieve. He's proven it at a similar sized club. And I actually think, and the, it frustrates when I argue actually with some Everton fans about this. The biggest mistake they made was not to probably get Moyes back when they had the chance. You think of all the different managers they had at different times. He's a brilliant manager for Everton. He's been a brilliant manager for West Ham. And uh, I, I think he can do a similar sort of job on the same time. He's going to you know, really be in there for a good seven or eight years. Nice one. Just not about Everton, but what, how good a job do you think Thomas Frank's done this year? Because I think he's been unbelievable. No, the he's money he's under spent. the radar a little bit. Brentford, yeah. superb. Well, we 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 uh, done our awards on Monday Night Football, and you pick a manager of the year. Yeah. I mean, for for me, it was going to be either Klopp or Thomas Frank. 
Mm. Klopp still had the chance of obviously winning the league. This was a week ago at the time. Could have won a quadruple. So I, I went for Klopp. I think you did. But he was the one I was going to put next. It was almost a debate between him, wasn't it? Them yeah. two. I think every time you go to Brentford, there's some grounds that do that to you. you just feel I feel enthused. Mm. I like going there. Mm. It's, it's him. It's him with the crowd. They do a, they do a lap of honour every time they win a game. It's it's absolutely brilliant that that club. It's now, fantastic. Teams, the promoting teams to stay up. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. He's, he's he does a brilliant job. He's he's got a little bit of that sort of Klopp personality about him. Are we going to come with Ericsson as well? Getting Ericsson back as well. Is Ericsson staying? What a story. No, I I think Ericsson will get plucked by a big club. Do you? Yeah. yeah. He might do, but I, I, I like the fact that he's there. I know you go to a bigger club, but it's like. He is. Bre he's almost become Brentford, hasn't he? he, he alongside he might, the manager, he might, he might show loyalty out of. To be fair, what they've done yeah. for him. Yeah. But I'd like him to. I tell stay. you what, if you were any, if you were any top six club <laughs> that were looking at sort of a midfield three, and you wanted a player to go in there and play thirty games for you in a say a, squ a squad type, you, you United. But no, he, he could play for City. He could play for Liverpool. He could play for any club in the top six. I'm not saying starting every single week, but he could come on. You think what Shakiri was doing at Liverpool yeah. for two or three years there? He still hasn't got over Shaqiri. <laughs> Them two goals be United. I can say. I can't say. It looks like John Moss. Oh, <laughs> I was like, how was he playing play for Jurgen Klopp? Shaqiri. But you also, you look at Shaqiri. Why can Ericsson, if Liverpool are looking for a midfield player to come on for, say, Thiago, who gets injured a little bit, why would you not look at Ericsson? Why, why would you not look at him to come for two seasons and do a job for you doing that? He's brilliant. He's, he's a yeah. brilliant pro. He's a great player. His quality on the ball is unbelievable. To be fair, they played out here. United, I think one of the games United won. So Monday Night Football a few weeks ago. But some of Ericsson's passing in that game was out of this world on Old Trafford. So he's better. He's, come back to Spurs. I think I think I fancy him to come back no, to Spurs. Just, well, look, the only problem with Spurs is if you're going to play that system with the two in midfield and the three. It, I think he gives us an option. He can play an option. in the front it's three or in a three in midfield. But he, he can play for any of the top yeah. six. Yeah. Or do you think he's frazzled, like you were referring to earlier, that he's had enough of Conte football and training? Or will he... I, I, I see that? him going... I don't know. I mean, if Arsenal are going to play with a three in midfield next season, if... I, I said Liverpool, I, I just thought of it then. They do need midfield players. They need people with quality to feed them strikers. And to be fair, why wouldn't you? They did that with Shaqiri. Right. That That's all we've got time for, guys. Appreciate it. A big round of applause for <laughs> these two and the course as well. Informative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.